0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: You know, guys, what we're going to talk about today is really, again, the issue of how people respond to Jesus. And, and we've really got to overcome these assumptions because they're not necessarily proper assumptions. But let me go ahead and tell you what they are. Number one, we think that everyone who responds to Jesus is okay. We think that everyone who responds to Jesus is okay. What do I mean by that? Well, we think that any, if anybody says they believe in Jesus... They must be okay. Well, the problem is, is that a lot of people in the world believe in Jesus. That doesn't mean that they accept who Jesus is. They have differing viewpoints. In fact, most of the world religions in the world believe that there was a Jesus and that he was a teacher. So you have to be careful. But in our culture, when you hear somebody say, oh, they believe in Jesus, they must be okay. Well, that's not necessarily true. Because maybe initially they responded, but that doesn't mean that it was saving faith because what was revealed later on shows that they're not. And that's what Jesus is getting to in this passage that we're going to look to. We, We think that everybody who responds to Jesus is okay. And we see, here's the reason, it's because we fail to recognize that not every response is valid. We fail to recognize that not every response is valid. Here's what I want you to understand. Just because somebody says they believe or just because somebody says they're a Christian doesn't mean they're a Christian. doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that their response is valid. We need to understand that. Well, how do we know that, though? Well, there's a, it's really difficult to know that, but there are some things that Jesus tells us that kind of reveals where people are at. Now, here's what we've done. We've looked at... The parable of the sower, which I'm going to read to you in a moment. And through the parable, through an everyday story of in, in their time, Jesus is communicating spiritual truth that isn't very obvious at first, but he has to explain it. He's shown us that there are four responses to him. So let's look, and I'll tell you, we've already talked about the first two already, and I'll just remind you. Look with me, verse 3 of chapter 13. And he spoke many things in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay, so he who has ears. Who's that? That's you and I. Think about what he's saying, Jesus is saying. Now here's the explanation. Verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches it away. What is sown in his heart, this is he who receives the seed by the wayside. So the first response very obvious, is the guy who rejects. He doesn't understand. He can't understand. The enemy keeps him from understanding. We understand that. Here's the second one. We talked about this last week. Verse 20, But he who receives the seed on stony places is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word... Immediately, he stumbles. Now, this one's a little bit more interesting. Here's one. This is the guy who's excited for the moment. This is the person who gets excited about Jesus. Is thinks, oh, wow, wonderful Jesus. He can do anything. But here's what happens. He has no depth in his understanding or has no depth in her understanding. And as soon as difficulties happen, and let's be honest, do difficulties happen? Yeah. And here's, difficulties happen because of the word. What does that mean? Because they are a Christian. As soon as problems happen, they get disappointed with God. They say, I didn't sign up for this. I thought everything was supposed to be wonderful. They were excited for the moment, and then they just walk away. And a lot of us know people like that. We've seen people do that in our lives. And here's the thing. It says, look at what it says. They stumble. That word is used in? The gospels by Jesus to remain, they reject. They reject God because he wasn't there for them. He didn't answer that prayer. He didn't save them from their problem. And they walk away. That's the second response. Now we come to the third response. And let me read it to you, what Jesus says. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the words and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. What are we talking about here? Okay, the first one is the guy who flat out rejects. The second one is the guy who is excited and is disappointed and turns away from God. The third one is a guy who hears, but he's distracted. That's what we're going to talk about today. He's distracted from accepting because his focus is somewhere else. It's completely somewhere else. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this one verse and we're going to see what their primary focus is. And then we're going to see the reality. We're going to see the primary focus that they have and the reality. Now, let me just stop for a moment. As we get into these responses, and this is the third response now, there's been a differing level of understanding and whether or not you accept what Jesus is saying. What do you mean? Well, with the first response, we can understand that. If somebody rejects that, that's okay. We understand that. There's no way possible that they could be saved because they reject it. The second one, we struggle a little with because we saw the excitement. We saw that they were excited about God for the moment. But that doesn't necessarily mean they had saving faith. They were just excited. And then when problems came, they got angry, upset with God, and they walked away, and they haven't been back ever since. We might be open to that one. This third one, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to struggle with it because what this guy's distracted by is the kind of stuff that you and I are distracted by every day. He's distracted by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And in our affluent, and you might say, we're not affluent here in Clearfield. We're still affluent, concerned to most of the world. In our culture, materialistic culture, this is the one that all of us are going to struggle with. And the question is, is where is your focus? So let's talk about where this person is, this third response is. Let's talk about the primary focus. Look with me, verse 22. Now he who receives the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Here's what I want you to see. Number one, they are distracted by the things of the world. They hear they hear the message of Jesus and they might even be affirmative. They might even say, oh, that sounds good. But their focus, what their focus is on, where they're at in their life, look at me, is not with God or anything about Jesus, they're actually distracted by what this world has to offer. Or, they're distracted by their concerns about this world. Do you understand? Their focus is on everything else but God. That's the point here. But God. And so so much so, that it overwhelms any possibility of them responding. That's what I want you to see here. Because here's the thing I want you to see. Second thing. On one hand, they are consumed by the worries of life. On one hand, they're concerned by the worries of life. Ever met somebody like that? That they're so worried about everything. In fact, the worst thing for them to have is a TV or a radio and access to the news. They're the guy who, who meets you and says... Did you hear about the earthquake on some unknown island? They don't even know where it is in the Pacific and what's happening there. What does that mean for us? They're worried and consumed with worry and they're worried about the election. What if this person gets in? The other person gets in. What's it going to be like since they got in? I was expecting the other one. Now he's got it. Oh, wow. What's it going to be like? They're worried. They're worried. What does this mean? They're worried about the things of life. They're consumed with them. Here's what happens. They get so consumed with everything that they're worried about. Where's God in that? Where's Jesus? They have no room for him. You say, come on, George. Are you thinking that's exactly what Jesus is saying? Isn't that what he's saying here? They hear the word, but the cares of this world, what? Choke it out. All they do is live, eat, and breathe one problem after what? Another problem. One problem after another problem. And they're consumed with it. So much so that God really, Jesus, especially the good news of Jesus, has nothing there at all. Here's the second one. Now this one, the first one we say, oh yeah, I know a few people like that who are consumed with the worries. Here's the second one. And this one even had to get me to think for a moment about myself. Look at, here's what he says. On the other hand, they are consumed by dreams of prosperity. On one hand, they're consumed with the worries of the world. On the other hand, they're consumed by dreams of prosperity. Really? Because isn't that the American way? Yeah, it's the American way. But here's the thing. They... Ignore everything else, especially the gospel, because they're focused on what they want, what they want to have, what they want to achieve, what they want to earn. And that becomes their primary focus. Do you understand what I'm saying? That becomes their primary focus, and that chokes out that pushes aside any concept of God, any concept of Jesus, because they're consumed with who? Them and what they want. Because their dreams, their ambitions, are more important than anything else. Now, we know people like that. We've seen people who are extreme, that their ambitions, their dreams, you know, we've seen it where they've focused on that even to the exclusion of their family. We've seen that, right? But in this instance, it's not just people who are in extreme. It's that their focus is off of where it should be, God, in their everyday life, and it's on what they want. Now, I think it's interesting how Jesus talks about it here. He talks about their dreams of prosperity in this, he uses this phrase, the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. What does that mean? He's talking about the lie of having stuff. Now, isn't that how we operate? How many of you think that? You know, you hear about the big Powerball, and somebody's winning 500 million or whatever and they take home 250 million and you're like, wow, if I won that, I wouldn't be driving around in this clunker anymore. I'd get a new house. And you begin to think in terms of how wonderful life would be if you hit it big or, or that uncle that you never knew who left it all to you. But Jesus calls it the deceitfulness, because here's the thing. Because while it seems like that will satisfy and bring to you what you want, the reality is it actually may bring you a lot of what? Problems. And story after story comes out because of you striving and achieving, and then when you get it, you think you're okay. But the problem is is you're not okay. Okay. See, that's the deceitfulness of riches. Jesus is saying here, there are people who hear, and because they're worried about what's going on in life or because they're deceived by the thought that if they get prosperity, that becomes their focus to the point that they do not even pay attention anymore to me. See, that's what's going on here. That's the primary focus. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's the reality, though. Here's the reality that we see. Again, in verse 22, let me read it to you. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and he becomes unfruitful. Here's the reality. When your focus is in being consumed by the cares of the world or when your focus is on ambition and thoughts and dreams of prosperity, here's what I want you to see. The gospel does not have a place to flourish in their lives. It's choked out. The message of the gospel, the reality of Jesus and what He's done for you and what He continues to do for you does not have a place in your life and is not allowed to flourish. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because when you come to Jesus. Your life should be growing in him. You should be more intimate with him and knowing more things about him and seeing him work in your life more than than the first day that you decided to follow him. You know, I've been a follower of Jesus now 31 years. I can tell you that where I'm at now in my relationship with him and the things that I'm struggling with him about are because I've flourished in him for 31 years. I'm at a deeper level. Now, if my thoughts had been distracted by ambition or had been distracted by dreams that I wanted or or had been even distracted by the cares and the worries of the world, that wouldn't be true in my life right now. There would be no depth. See, here's the thing. The reality is, is that the gospel does not have a place to flourish in their lives because they're distracted. So let me ask you a question. You've stopped growing in your life? You stop growing in your relationship with Jesus? Could it be that the reason why is is because you're distracted by one thing or another? Number one, you're consumed with worries, worried about this, worried about that. Or all you see is what you want out of life, what you want to achieve, and so that chokes out the possibility of the gospel flourishing in your life. gospel does not have a place to flourish. Here's what else Jesus is talking about here. A distracted life cannot produce spiritual fruit. Let me me just stop for a moment. Some of you maybe have heard for years that fruit is people coming to know Jesus. That's not what fruit is. That is a fruit, but that's not completely what fruit is. Fruit of the Spirit is actually character. You go to Galatians chapter 5 and you read what the fruit of the Spirit is, love, joy, peace. All of those things are reflective of your character, what God produces in your life to make you more like Christ. And the fact of the matter is is when you're distracted by the cares of this world or you're distracted by your ambitions and your dreams about what you want, you're not going to be producing anything in your life of any character. You're not going to become more and more like Christ. You don't produce any spiritual fruit. That's what Jesus means here when you are unfruitful. Now here's the third thing I want you to see here about this, the reality. This is one that you've got to wrap your brain around because you might be here and you might be saying, well, I know somebody like this, George, but they're okay because I remember they were affirmative about the gospel. No, no, I want you to hear something here. I want you to think about what Jesus is saying. Here's the point, and then I'll show you it. It's from the Gospel of John. The lack of spiritual fruit only brings judgment. The lack of spiritual fruit only brings judgment. Whoa, 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 what do you mean? Well, listen to what Jesus says in the Gospel of John. John chapter 15. Verse 1, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the husband. And he's talking about the spiritual life that is there. I am the true vine. And so he uses an illustration of a vine, a grapevine and how it's pruned. And so listen to verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So let me just stop. Every branch in me that does not bear, he takes it away. He clips it out. He gets rid of it. But every branch that bears fruit, what does he do? He prunes it. He, it goes through difficult times. It goes through some sort of distress. Why? So that it bears more fruit. Listen to verse 6. He's going to talk again about the unfruitful branch. Listen to what he says. If anyone does not abide in me, abide means to remain in him, to, to grow in Jesus, to have a relationship with him. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. What is a Judgment here's what i want you to see this response is is is, is scary because here it is here's a guy who here here's a gal who hears the gospel and maybe they're are verbally affirmative but the reality is is their focus is on one of two areas they're either focused on the cares of this world worrying about stuff and that's all they focus on they don't have any thought beyond just hearing the gospel or their thought is on what they can achieve in life, prosperity, growing, and the deceitfulness of riches, but the reality is is they show no fruit in their life. Jesus is saying, it's judgment. It's judgment. You can get distracted from what you're supposed to do and leave God behind. You know, I've been pastoring for 20 years. I told you I've been a believer now almost 31. And I'm going to be honest with you, If you're a parent here, maybe you need to hear what I'm going to say. It's with a heavy heart that I can say that I have witnessed where a young person has come and said, I feel like God wants me to go serve him. And I want to go and study the Bible. But the parent will come along and say, Can't get a job. That's not a marketable skill. I can tell you numerous kids that I've heard of that happening to Because the focus wasn't on what God wanted them to do. The focus was on what? Achieving. Fulfilling dreams. Prosperity. It's real. And then we wonder, why don't they come to church anymore? Why are they not interested in Jesus anymore? Why don't they even talk? And we think, well, I can remember when they were five. No, it's where they are right now. Can I be honest with you? The Bible never talks about salvation in a pastime experience. It talks about salvation in presently. Where are you at? Are you following Jesus or not? Do you understand me? And what you need to understand is is that there are different responses to Jesus. Yeah, there's a guy who flat out rejects, but there is the one that gets excited for the moment, but then they turn their back on God when stuff happens wrong. And then now we see that there are some who hear and maybe they're affirmative, but they're distracted by the world and they're unfruitful. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's how we take this passage and, and the truth that Jesus is trying to convey and bring it down to us because you know where you're at, I know where I'm at. And so here's a couple of questions for you. And again, these are not questions that you just answer right now. These are questions that you've got to ponder for a while. And I hope that you would take these and ponder them. Number one, what is more important? Your worries your desires, or dreams, or Jesus. What's more important to you? Your worries, your dreams, or Jesus? Now, can I stop for a moment? Because here's the thing. Here's what happens in church. When I say, you know, your worries, your dreams, Jesus, it immediately assumes that you know, If I follow Jesus, then I should just give up on my dreams and I should just give up on that because he wants me to become a monk or he wants me to go to Botswana and be a missionary and or he wants me to carry around a big Bible at work. And, and we have this concept. It's a false concept of what it means to follow Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a false concept because you can follow Jesus and still dress the way you dress, still work where you work and not be an idiot. We think in terms of following Jesus as being some kind of spiritual idiot. Now, if I've offended you, I'm sorry, but that's what we think. I just happen to say it out loud. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what consumes you in your life that is so important to you. Is it your worries? Is it your dreams, your ambitions and stuff? Or is it Jesus, what he wants for your life? and what He does for you, and what He cares for you. What's your focus? Where's important? What's, where, where are you at? Where, what is important to you? You've got to answer that question. And I'm going to be honest with you. You can't answer it right now just in five minutes. You've got to process it. We're all like that. What's more important to you? What's more important? Here's the second one. Is what you're consumed with choking out your spiritual life? Is what you're consumed with choking out your spiritual life? Okay, again, this is going to take some time to process because you've got to process it. Is what you're consumed with... is. Your focus on all these worries and, oh, my God, am I going to be okay? And, and am I, uh, 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 do we have enough set for retirement? When are you retiring 50 years from now? But I'm worried about, am I going to have enough? 50 years from now, you're worried about what you're going to have? Are you concerned? focused on that? Is that choking out your spiritual life? Or is it your ambitions, your dreams of what you want? And it doesn't have to be riches. You might be there and you're thinking, oh, I want a house and, and I want this and I want some acreage and, and, and if I had that and, and if I had this or I want this truck and, and, and it just goes on and I want that hunting trip to Alaska where I take a moose and a bear and a sick of deer, you know and whatever else is there. do you know what I'm saying? I mean you can get consumed by that and it chokes out your what spiritual life. Hey, let me just stop for a moment. It just doesn't choke out your spiritual life. It chokes out everything else in your life too, doesn't it? Chokes out your marriages, chokes out your friendships, chokes it out, right? Here we're specifically talking about it choking out who? God and what he wants to do in your life. I'm going to be honest with you. You can't answer that question in five minutes. You've got to process it. And you've got to ask God to show you. And and, and let me just stop for a moment. And you may not like what he shows you. Because you might be distracted. You might be distracted. So what do we do about this? What's our action point? How do we pray through this, George? Well, here's what I want you to do this week. If you're sincere, you're like you're wow. you know George, I, I feel like I am consumed. I feel like I am focused on my worries or I'm focused on my dreams or you're focused even... It's possible that you might be here, I'm like this, where you're focused on both. One minute you're like, I want to do this and the other minute, oh, I'm afraid to. What do we do? Here's how I want you to pray. Ask the Spirit to help you to get your focus on Jesus. Ask the Spirit to help you, to get your focus on Jesus. That's what you need to do. You know, when I think about that immediately, I remember the story from the Gospels of Jesus walking on the water and Peter coming out to him. And as long as he was looking at Jesus, what could Peter do? He wasn't water skiing, folks. He was walking on water. But as soon as he got distracted, what began to happen in his life? He began to sink. Now, thankfully, he cried out to the Lord. You and I need to get our focus back on who, folks? Jesus. Not on our cares, not on our dreams, because that could choke you out and and that can destroy you spiritually, especially if you've not made that commitment to follow Jesus. You can get distracted and think everything's okay, and the reality is it's not.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street,